You don't wake up in the morning thinking, right, I'm going to do anxiety at lunchtime, depression, fatigue. Um, I hope I feel really bad by 6 p.m. We don't plan our moods. We plan everything else. So who, who's the boss of our mind? Are we choosing our thoughts or our thoughts choosing us? That's Galong Tupton. And this is The Depression Detox Show. Hello! And welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Thank you so much for joining me today as we wrap up this week's clips with author, meditation teacher, and Buddhist monk, Galang Tupton, making his first appearance on the show today. And I am super, super excited about this talk because he talks about a topic that we all can benefit from. And it's a problem that we are all facing and we face more and more as time goes on. And that topic is stress. And what I like about this talk is he talks about the evolution of stress, and he really gets down to the real root cause of all of our stress. And then toward the end of the talk, he shares a technique with us to reduce the overwhelm in our lives and to also strengthen our mind to better overcome stressful times. Here's Galang Tupton. Enjoy. Let's start by talking about the issue of stress. So 20 years ago, people were less um, open about their stress. When I first started teaching in the workplace, people were a little bit embarrassed to say that they were stressed, especially leaders, managers. Maybe it looked like they were failing if their um, people uh, around them knew they were stressed. I think the culture has changed now. Now it seems to be the opposite. Now if you don't say you're stressed, people think you're lazy. <laughs> you know, so now we have to go around saying, oh, I'm so stressed I can hardly breathe. And that means you're re doing really well. <laughs> like if you say to somebody, how are you? you? They have to say busy. You can't say, well, I'm just chilling, doing nothing. <laughs> you fail. I mean, to be a successful person, you have to say, I'm so busy I can, I can hardly walk. <laughs> I'm so stressed. So, People are wearing their stress on their sleeve now. So in a good, the good side of that is people are open, talking about how they feel. Obviously, the negative side is we are so stressed. And of course, we are feeling exhausted all the time. And that's basically because our brain is producing huge amounts of stress chemicals, the main one being cortisol. It's called the fight or flight reaction, which a human being is programmed to experience as a matter of survival, just like animals as well, when they're being chased by other animals like zebra or 
um, deer being chased by tigers and lions. Um, they go into fight or flight, and they, that's what they need to survive. And human beings as well. Maybe centuries ago when we were hunter-gatherers, and we were in danger pretty much all the time. We'd always have that awareness of danger. We'd go into fight or flight mode when we'd been attacked by a saber-toothed tiger or whatever it was that was coming to have its dinner. Um, and then we'd go into emergency mode. And what happens to the brain is it, it, the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that is uh, connected to stress, causes the release of cortisol. And this makes us ready for fight or flight. So we either fight the enemy or we run away. And then when we're safe, the levels return to normal. We don't need to talk about it or worry about why we were in danger. We're just back to normal. That's the optimum picture of survival with fight or flight. But of course, what happens to us now is we're not living in the wilderness and we're not being chased by animals or people with spears. We are in our offices, we're in our homes, and yet the brain is relating to pressure in exactly the same way. So whenever there's an email or a phone call or a notification, the body has this kind of little jolt of cortisol. Basically, we go into a kind of very microscopic kind of fight or flight. We're not sweating and panicking. Sometimes we are, of course, but generally we're not. And the problem is these moments build up during the day. So we spend our day lurching from one cortisol spike to the next and we don't seem to have any downtime. Uh, we're just on, on that high alert all the time, and this makes us very tired, and it makes us less productive. It makes us less efficient, less happy, more worn out. So the great thing about practicing meditation techniques and being mindful during the day is that it's been proved that this reduces the um, cortisol it doesn't take our stress away. I mean, sometimes people think, oh, if I meditate, does that take all my stress away and then I'll be less efficient? In fact, I went to a company once uh, many, many years ago before this kind of knowledge was so widespread. I went into a company to teach meditation and the boss took me aside and said, don't make them too relaxed. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I'd like them to keep working. <laughs> I mean, I think his image of meditation was that you'd be so chilled that you'd just kind of lounge around in this, behind your desk, the phones are ringing, you don't really care. <laughs> Feet up, profits down. <laughs> because maybe there is a, a, an image of meditation that it's very disconnected from reality. I think some people think meditation means you close your eyes, you drift away, you empty your mind. And what has that got to do with work? Well, let me tell you, if you try to close your eyes and empty your mind, you're gonna find that really hard anyway because me meditation is not about clearing the mind. If you try to clear the mind, you end up with a lot of stress actually, trying to push the thoughts away. And so of course I explained to, to this, uh, this, this man that the meditation class wouldn't make his staff less efficient it would make them more efficient because don't you want people to be happy, focused, productive? And stress, if you learn to reduce the chemistry of stress, the cortisol, you can be more fresh, more alert, more aware, but you're not less efficient. You're not less functional. And in fact, not all stress is bad. Maybe there's a kind of stress that's more like energy, motivation, drive, efficiency. 
I'm talking about when it becomes toxic and exhausting. So it's been shown that if you practice mindfulness, this reduces the um, overactivity of the amygdala in the brain, which is that stress um, receptor, stress uh, watchtower in the brain. And so those chemicals are going to start to get, it's like cooling down the engines. You're going to be less, less anxious, less stressed. But of course, ultimately, what is stress? Stress is, is our thoughts, isn't it? And how the mind relates to our thoughts. You know, people always go around saying, I have stress because of my boss, my colleagues, my clients, my husband, my wife, my children, the list, you know, the list. <laughs> who's, got the li who's got a list? <laughs> the list of things that make us stressed. I'm not denying that those things are difficult in our lives, but wouldn't you say it's more our thoughts about our boss, our job, our colleagues, our clients, our thoughts about those things that's, that's the problem, and the way the mind goes into negative thinking or exhaustion. We have so many thoughts that we don't actually need, re repeated thoughts. We have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts per day. Many of them are repeats. So meditation is not about removing the thoughts. It's not about becoming a zombie or going into a coma. It's not. But it is about learning to become the boss of your own mind. And I think that's a really crucial thing because I think we are educated, adult, professional, free-thinking people in control of our lives but not in control of our minds. And that's a very shocking thing to hear and to think about, but it's really true. If you think about how we react to, to life in a very impulsive way, um, we're in an area of bad traffic, aren't we? So Los Angeles traffic is always horrendous. And what happens when you're stuck in traffic and you feel irritated, wound up, frustrated, even angry, you know that's not an intelligent reaction. You don't plan the reaction. You don't sit there thinking, okay, now I'm going to get upset. <laughs> you don't wake up in the morning thinking, right, I'm going to do anxiety at lunchtime, depression for tea. <laughs> Um, I hope I feel really bad by 6 p.m. <laughs> we don't plan our moods. We plan everything else. So who, who's the boss of our mind? Are we choosing our thoughts or our, or our thoughts choosing us? I mean, it's not literally like that, but it feels like that. Where we're not really in control of what our mind does. It goes into negative thinking. It goes into worry. It goes into stress very easily. So meditation is where you actually learn how to choose where to send your focus and what to do with your mind. And a very typical meditation technique is to focus on your own breathing. I'm not going to go too much into the technique today because tomorrow morning I'm giving a, a class which I'm, sh I'm sure you'll find interesting if you want to learn more. But just to break down the uh, sort of technology of it is that you focus, for example, on your own breathing, and maybe you do that for 10 minutes. You know, it's a session, focusing on your breathing. What are you doing? You're focusing on your breathing, but then your mind is running away. The mind wanders. So you're, you're breathing with awareness, and then suddenly the mind is thinking about something else. That's when people think they failed. That's when people who meditate think they got it wrong. Like they, they've, 
because they think they're supposed to be doing it perfectly. But there's a reason why it's called practice. It's not perfect, it's practice, which means you're training. So you're focusing on your breathing, and then the mind wanders, and that's the chance to practice returning. The mind wanders, and then you return. Maybe not straight away, maybe it wanders for five minutes. And it goes from one thing to the next. I mean, you're planning dinner, then you're skiing in the Alps, and then you're, I don't know, planning revenge or writing a really juicy email. You know, it goes all over the place. And then you capture, you catch the attention, and that's when you can return to the breath or whatever the meditation focus is. There are many ways breath is the most common. So every time you bring your attention back to your breath, you are exercising the power of choice because your mind lost lost direction. It's almost like you were driving a car and then you lost control of the wheel and the car is going all over the place. And now you get back behind the wheel of the car and you turn it around and drive it back to the breath. That's a big choice. You've made a choice to detach from those thoughts and come back to the moment, the present moment. If you train in that every day, you're gonna get better at it. A little bit like lifting weights. If you go to the gym, you lift weights, you get muscles. This is the muscle of mindfulness through training again and again. Every time you bring your attention back to the breath, you are detaching from the wandering mind and choosing to send your focus where you want to send it. So if you train in that every day, you're gonna get more proficient at that. And over time, you're going to find that you can step out of a negative mood more easily. You can step into happiness more easily. And I think people's notions of happiness tend to be very much result-orientated, you know? I'll, ha I'll be happy when, I'll be happy because. Who's got the list? It's the list again, isn't it? The list of things I need and then I will be happy. Happy when, happy if, happy because. So we think happiness will come to us when everything outside works out. But what about choosing? Choosing to put your attention into a positive state. And you could do that anywhere. You could do that in traffic. You could do that standing in line at an airport where you're feeling impatient and tired, but you choose to put your attention into a positive mind state, which means just to be present and detach from those wandering thoughts. And that way you're, you're gaining a kind of mastery over your own mind, which is gonna really help to, to transform our relationship with our thoughts. I think that's what meditation is about, transforming our relationship with our thoughts. It's not about killing the thoughts. It's not about silencing the thoughts. It's not about clearing the mind, but it's about developing a different relationship where you can choose what your mind does and how it feels. So you're learning that sense of um, kind of becoming the boss internally. Big thanks to Gilong Tupton for stopping by. And I just wanted to mention that the meditation technique that he described in his talk was called focused attention. And that's where you focus your attention on a particular thing for the duration of your meditation session. And as a quick breakdown, um, there are tons and tons of meditation practices, different variations, but some of the most common that can be categorized and they can be categorized in three ways. So first you have focused attention, 
which was mentioned today. Then you have something called open awareness. And this is where you become aware of the things outside of you, like some smells or sounds or even your thoughts and your feelings. And then lastly, you have transcendence, which is one that I've done for the better part of five years now. And I've practiced many of these different techniques, but the one that I think best suits me for my anxiety, which is sometimes crippling. And it also has helped me with my past depressive episode, which I've had many. And to be honest, I haven't had I haven't had a depressive episode for quite some time. It's very, very seldom now, but the last one probably was about over a year ago. So I attribute that to my meditative practice and the, the practice which I do and which, um, which I mentioned the last one is called transcendence or TM. And this is where you repeat a mantra for 15 to 20 minutes to transcend the mind and we recently had an episode featuring Jerry Seinfeld talking about Transcendental Meditation, which is also known as TM for short. And that was episode number 557. So there you go. You have the three most common categorized meditations or meditation practices, which are focused attention, open awareness, and transcendence. So there is really no better or worse technique Uh, You may try them all, see which one best works for you. But what I do recommend is whichever one you feel that works for you, whatever one that you've tried that really resonates with you, just continue to do it. The most important thing is to be consistent. That's where the real results lie. So I hope that if you do choose any type of meditation that it does benefit you, I know that it has benefited me and I feel that it will for you as well. So again, big Thanks to Galang Tupton for stopping by. If you like to connect with him, you can go to his website, galangtupton.com. That is also his Instagram. And I got this clip from YouTube. It is entitled Upgrading the Mind, Galang Tupton Talent Connect 2018. And you can also pick up his book, which will be released in about a week and a half, which is, I believe, August the 31st. And that book is entitled Handbook Hard Times, A Monk's Guide to Fearless Living. And you can pick that up on audible.com and it will be delivered to you on the day that it is released. And I'll have the book as well as all the ways to connect with him and his work and a link to today's talk and all of that good stuff. They will all be in the show description below so you can go and check that out. All right. That is a wrap for me. I appreciate you. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I will see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later.